Hey there, Max here. Really quick one before the episode starts. Ash and I had an absolute blast doing this one about action movies. Uh, quite a long one, really. Uh, so for your convenience, we've split it into two sections, uh, both released at the same time. So as soon as you finish this one, second part of uh, action movies is directly available. Have a listen. Hope you'll enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed making it. Hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, the movie podcast that received Tom Hanks's FedEx parcel after four years of waiting, and we can tell you now we'd already got a refund. At So Bad It's Good, we only look at the best of the worst. I'm Max, and this episode we're looking at some of the most absurd action films of all time. At my side, my best pal, Ashley. And before we go into that, as always, how you been, Ashley? What you been up to? Mm, uh, not much. Some, a bit of like a post... Uh, recently been working fairly intense on uh, just exams and things like that and I'm in, in in still in the lull coming at the end of it still sort of relaxing doing a bit of reading uh, watching an array of films some good some bad of course uh, watched you'd like this you might have seen it actually and I don't know whether it's a book Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen King's Thinner. I watched that the other night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, it. Is a book. It is a book. Um, <laughs> I liked it. Oh, it is a book. Yeah, yeah. I I liked it. It got panned. Uh, I can see why. But the I liked it. I mean, I have you read it? it? Um, yeah. No. So this is a weird thing about uh, Stephen King. When I don't know quite know why he did it. I think it was because he maybe he wanted to write more different types of literature or whatever. Um, mm. So he ended up creating a pseudonym of Richard Backman and okay. um, wrote a bunch of stories under the pseudonym of Richard Backman, uh, one of which mm. was thinner. And uh, people eventually got wind of it and he had to like kill Richard Backman. Um, but that's what thinner is, is like pulled, of, pulled from, is, is under, the, under this pseudonym. Um, and yeah, it's, I've seen the movie as well. Um, and I, know I've, I've, I, think I've read, I think I've read it. I've read so much Stephen King. It's, it's not that long. Mm. It's quite a short short it's like a short novella um and uh yeah yeah it's 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 really it's got a weird quite tragic ending and i can't remember whether the ending of the movie is the same thing where he, he sits down to dinner with his family um mm-hmm. and i think so like i think in the book spoilers but in the book he's he tries to get the curse undone because he's constantly losing weight he's trying to get the curse undone he can't and eventually he like manages to find it. I believe it's like it, it has this pie made which has like some of his yeah, hair in it pie. and um if he eats it he'll just die like he won't he won't ever have that like and it'll just kill him but then he comes downstairs and I think his family are like eating it already and he instead of doing anything he just sits down and has has the pie with them um which I, th- I thought is, is quite is quite a, a striking image oh, so he eats it as well yeah, so I think he's kind of very much like he accepts the fact that he's just screwed over his entire family. Um, and he can't, I think, he, I, I really need to reread it, to be honest. It was one of the, I started reading Stephen King stuff when I was like 13, 14, and mm. I started with The Shining. And I, I kind of hardly remembered reading The Shining. I remembered some of the scenes in it. But um, I reread it recently and I, I just really enjoyed it so much more. I think because I was just a bit older, I could actually understand most of what was going on, yeah. understand some of the like the way Stephen King's write, uh, writes. Um, so, yeah. But um, no, that sounds interesting. That's, uh, it's a good film. It's a good film. I did enjoy it. How about you? What's, what's been going down this week? Nothing much. Work. Work's been really busy this week. Um, okay. 
and and yeah like i think it's been really exciting to pull together that kind of stuff for our first episode see it go live and see seven people view it which is great right seven is better than nine. yeah yeah um yeah edison the demon yeah i really i really enjoyed editing i think that's that's one thing um i've, I've really enjoyed being part of that process of doing it and, and mm. kind of scrubbing some of the audio and fixing it and, and all that stuff so that's that's been real fun um i saw i saw a random movie at the weekend so i really wanted to watch mm. there will be blood uh, but hannah uh, wasn't up for it which was a shame but i think we will watch it at some point um and then we uh, instead we watched what's it called? before i go to sleep i think and it was it was one of those movies that was like very based around that um i call them like commuter reads so like gone girl the girl on the train like a lot of those things that you see like everyone reading on the tube and then suddenly becomes like a movie just gets thrown out with some quite big names in it but it doesn't get that much marketing because it's just having capitalizing on the fact that a million plus people have already read this book um and they're just going to go and watch the film i think it was one of those has like nicole kidman mark strong and um colin firth in it and it's about a girl who wakes up every morning completely forgetting like the next day she still the previous day so she still thinks she's in her 20s it wasn't awful yeah. but it wasn't amazing either i didn't think it was i thought they did a really good thing with like making colin firth the the kind of killer the villain um type thing like this classic guy of everyone loved that everyone loves him and he's usually a really mm. nice character yeah. and to make him the villain was quite a good move but i think it was that had already been done with i think it was what lies beneath with um harrison ford um in the haunted house if you like that that is harrison ford kind of did that years ago but one thing i do love is that one of the moments earlier on in the movie when she like realizes that this, he's created this whole line there's that whole wall full of pictures that are like them at their wedding and stuff and she starts to notice mm. and, like one of them like she looks at like then their heads touching at a wedding and he's like tracing his and she traces her finger and she sees you can see a scene where like he's like obviously photoshopped it and you're like oh you know that's quite like oh my god that's really shocking and it's just one of them at like a bar or something like having a drink like candid camera getting caught like mid mid chat and like you can clearly see that he's like pasted his face <laughs> over the body over the frame of like this guy's like like really like no blending no photo editing i think the guy that she's with and then you just got colin first like pasty <laughs> white face over it yeah because that's supposed to be that's like the the kaiser soze wall isn't it yeah. where, where he goes across the thing and then that she's obviously spots all of these photographs with like these and then she finally, yeah. The, uh, yeah. So, some of the some of them I was impressed by. Some of them he's it was late. He's really he tried. couldn't be bothered to do the last uh, the last few. <laughs> Just like copy paste done. She's not going to look at that one. <laughs> she for, she'll forget it the next day. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so uh, if you're if you're not up on our podcast series, what you're doing? Watch episode one first. It's a belter. We're looking to find the type of movies that you can sit back, have a laugh with your mates, banter over. It's not always easy to find. There's a kind of special blend um, of the sincere and the batshit insane. But this week, it's my turn and I'm taking over the, the genre of action. Um, talking about the bombs that are hidden on buses, robots from the future trying to stop Judgment Day, high times at Nakatomi Plaza. Um, 
but from day one I think action movies are like a staple of cinema and I think it's one of those genres that you can get away with a lot and still be a decent movie but we're excited to go into the ones that didn't get away with it and the ones that probably deserve a bit more of a mm. uh, examination but before we go on to that we're going into uh, our reoccurring feature of the show um, what we're calling Casting Couch <laughs> Casting for those of you who don't know, we select a random made-up movie title that um, both Ash and I have pulled together. And we work on the rest of the show to try and come up with uh, a plot, uh, key scenes, actors, maybe a soundtrack to it, uh, some iconic moments that we might feed, in, it feed into the thing. Um, so without further ado, Ashley's the one who's going to be delving into his magician sleeve. Okay, so this is this is quite rudimentary. This you can see it's like a it's a hollow card <laughs> for the purposes of the for the purposes of the tape. It looks like what the hell is that? It looks like a plastic, yeah. a plastic. Uh, what is plastic it? Plastic car. The top of a plastic. Car. It's a <laughs> top of a plastic car with all the notes in all, and uh, all the strips like... of of made up titles. And I've just got a beer mat over it, and I'm going to shake it. That's, I mean, I think that's how they do it in the, in, in the Olympics, so. <laughs> the Quartz Protocol. That <laughs> <Yeah>. is... <laughs> there we go. I'm looking that's forward to that. that. Okay, any initial ideas on this one or? Quartz, there's lots of strong consonants in there, which I like. Um... The quartz protocol. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm thinking maybe maybe sort of the the rare jewel trade maybe come into this. Maybe there'll be a maybe like a big set piece set down like a like a quarry or a, or a, or a big mine, um, something like that. So I like I like that I like that a lot. I'm already enjoying this. I'm looking forward to seeing who you come up with with the uh, the actors and uh, and elsewhere as well. Mm -hmm. But um, that's. Uh, this week's this week's feature film is the Quartz Protocol or Protocol, as Ashley likes to call it. Um, we've got the rest of the episodes to come up with a plot, star, cast, soundtrack, all that stuff. So we'll see how it goes. So action flicks, uh, usually a movie where the hero has to step up. Uh, sometimes they're very qualified, tough old dogs with military or police backgrounds. Other times they're just your average Joe thrust into a dangerous situation. But more often than not, they uh, come out on top with some amazing skills to show for it. Um, I guess the question is, what do we want from an action film? So based on last week's episode where we talked about the themes, we've built upon that and we've decided to think, you know, what's most interesting? What do you look for in an action movie? And the best way to do that is usually when you have a drinking game. So Ashley, any immediate rules that come to mind? Um, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, so action staple, it's all about like the choreography and stuff. It's got to look good. People have got to move in about in a, in a really action-packed, violent way. So I'm thinking jumping between buildings has to crop up at some point. Uh, usually, you know, from the top of one to the other, or from the top of one to maybe like a few floors below of the other, so they, they actually smash okay. through like glass or something. That that's that's a classic glass mm -hmm. smashing. Uh, so I'd say take a take a few swigs every time yeah. someone jumps jumps off a building. 
I mean, I think jump jumping is is I think most people do more jumping in action movies than they yeah. than and the average person does in their entire life. Uh, I would say, um, whether it's jumping yeah between buildings, between cars, yeah. moving cars, um, that's that's a classic one, or moving vehicles in general. That's 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 a notable yeah. notable one. Yeah. Lots of that in there. Lots of good stuff there. Yeah, lots lots of lots of like brilliant scenes in that one. I think for me, one thing that always, I always think of is people never ha- never saying goodbye on phones. Like that's in an action movie, they'll have like a mobile phone. They'll always have like ready, like mid conversation, and, and something something major will happen. They'll like suddenly click who the bad guy is or where the bad guy's next target is, and they'll just be like, they won't even say anything. They'll just like hang up mm-hmm. on the person. Um, or even even when it's not so dramatic and they're like in the middle of a conversation, it's like, right, you do this, I'm going to do that, hang up. Like in the real world, someone would just pick up the phone and go, sorry, I didn't know whether you just got disconnected there or something. Like, uh, like <laughs> are you okay? Yeah. There's always a payphone. There's always like a mysteriously mm. ringing payphone as well that, 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 that they hear ringing and the action hero immediately goes, uh, me. <laughs> And they just know as well. It's, it's like it's almost yeah, like yeah, they, they just know. <laughs> there could be hordes, hordes pouring out during like commuter time or whatever. No one thinks, oh, that could be. Oh, the results have come in. Like no, no one else thinks that that could be for me. It's always the action hero goes answers it. Always like a, a creepy voice. Yeah. On the on the other end. I mean, the classic one with that. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a, it's one of those like good bad movies that we talk about, but Die Hard with a Vengeance. When he's, yes, he's having to like get the fat woman off the phone so that he can <laughs> yeah. he can answer it, and and I think that's where like Die Hard stands apart and doesn't fall into this category. Is that it's very self-aware of those tropes. Like when he jumps off yeah. the building in Die Hard One, he's so like talking to himself, saying how stupid it's an idea. And, like when he's trying to break into the glass, he doesn't smash through immediately. He has to swing back and shoot himself through. So he's, he's very, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's trying to ground itself and undermine those, those kind of classic moments within, within the movies. Usually, I'm going to say there's always a doesn't get his hands dirty guy in the movie, like in, in, in action. So on, on the evil side, you're talking about? Oh, yeah, on the evil yeah, side. Yeah. Doesn't get his hands dirty. Usually wears white, uh, like completely yeah. white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even in something like Indiana Jones or stuff, like you've got like the main villain who's like, wears like a white Panama hat, like a giant Panama hat and suit. And you're in the middle of Egypt, like you're going to be sweating through that and you're going to have the worst stains ever. A tad fruity, as you might say. It's going to take, yeah, it's going to smell a tad fruity in, in, that, in that tomb. On the villainous, on the, the, the real evil front, I'm, I'm just going to lump a lot of people in this and generally bill it as the wealthy asshole always with with a lot of money and i, I well I, I'm, I'm at the forefront of my mind is the the evil guy in the film that i'm sure we'll pour over in great detail later uh what's his name ben wesley or something Roadhouse. like that in, in Roadhouse. yes yeah. he also wears white he wears white the class who also wears white yeah 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 um he's his classic although in a lot of them, you've got like I don't know, oil barons, big, uh, maybe big energy mm. tycoons type thing. In Roadhouse, he's got his money from what? But at one point, he's just like, I came here with nothing from Chicago. You know, he gives the whole like, I, I, I've I've come from yeah. the street sort of talk, and he just goes, I own the drugstore, <laughs> I own the laundrette. And I'm thinking, How uh, okay? And he goes like. 
I own the saloon like down there. I'm thinking they're not massive money makers. His source of money in roadhouses is slightly dubious. SMEs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah, I, I you know, uh, I own, I own the train of, I own like a chain of sort of like uh, bargain boozers. Like that's not, he is not raking it in. There's no way he can afford the house. He's the eighties equivalent of Mary Queen of Shops, isn't he? Like, yeah, just uh... yeah, yeah. Just coming in, building up. Like, everyone hates him because they're having to get rid of their own brand identity. Mm. But to be fair, like they're, they're keeping the business open. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put that again. This this might be slightly specific. I'm going to put. I'm going to suggest anyone watching action films maybe slurps down a, a nice cool daiquiri if they ever spot like a, what I'm going to call like the one night standing Cairo trope. You know what I mean? So like usually, because there's always romance at some point in action mm. films, even though the the design may be they're built not for that function. Uh, but there's there's always like a, a love interest, usually with people like an old flame. Yeah, um, yeah. With some, and at some point, either they'll say it directly, or it'll be strongly hinted that they had like a, a steamy one night in Cairo, or oh, do you remember that night in Marrakesh three years ago? And like it'll yeah. be as vivid and it'll be as 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 like saucy as it ever was, and mm. that's the bill. That's like later down, you know, they, they've got that connection. The, there's there's two points to this though. So that the, the one night in Cairo thing is so true, but I think it's not just about like like their steamy one night because I think like even other action movies will do it when there's less of a like romance element in it. It's like uh, like the one that strikes like um, even the Marvel movies. So when it's like it's just like oh, this is just like that time in Budapest. You'll remember in Budapest completely different to me. It's like, it's like <laughs> the, the, to show that these guys are like experienced pros, they have to kind of briefly offhand mention some mission that they did ages ago that has mm. no context, no backstory. They just say like mention, that, you know, oh, just yeah. that time, in, like that time in Belize. And just like, you, you just have to assume <laughs> that it was some action, yeah. action filled romp that they had. So when it's not sexual, it's definitely like, a, a sign of their, like them sharing their CV with the audience of just going. Yeah, yeah, so, that's, true. that's um, true. Another thing I want to break down is the the cookie cutter roster of henchmen that is in every single <laughs> action movie. Yeah. I'm going to reel them off and see if you could see if you can add to mm. it, or if I'm missing anyone out. Okay? okay. So you've definitely got who I call like the 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 super Nazi. Um, he's usually huge blonde um and just won't die so classic one is the the blonde guy in die hard one yeah. he's also there's that guy that indiana jones fights at the airport you know gets like killed by the rotor blades of the yeah, of the, yeah. um like of the of the plane um you know there's it's just one guy who's just like is just huge and weighty and just pummels the hero down and the hero cannot fight with his like with his brawn, so he has to fight with his brains, and either he finds some kind of like in Indiana Jones, he realizes that the rotor blades are coming there, so he keeps his he keeps himself down rather than get back up. You know, yeah. in Die Hard, he like uses the chain to rope the guy around and stuff. And chances are that guy usually comes back at the end for a final chance of killing the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the type of guy who like someone will break a chair over his back, but he won't flinch. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just turn and go, oh yeah. And then probably nuts the person who did that. And the guy just yeah, goes yeah. right down. Um yeah, and I think that's usually when the hero recognizes his limit. It's like oh he'll like he will be the one breaking the chair over the guy and then just look at the, the two like the two <laughs> armrests that he's got holding and he's just been like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of out of my depth now before he gets punched in the face. Yeah. Um so that's like what that's one there. I think the other one um is usually someone of an Asian heritage who um, quite, I don't know whether this is verging on racism or, or kind of at least social stereotyping, but he knows karate um, and ends up like beating the hero because he is so like, he's so much more, or like like fighting the hero because he, he's like kind of so much more like, like skilled in, in terms of like a technical form of fighting. But usually the hero ends up beating them because they're not following some kind of practice or, mm. or method of fighting like indiana jones the guy who has the sword and then indiana jones just shoots him maybe there's a woman as well that's also usually like the, the, the female one where the hero is like i don't want to fight you because you're a woman and i don't hit women and, and yeah. like he kind of holds himself back and ends up getting pummeled as a result of it um the, the other one that springs to mind and i think the one that's always worth mentioning is the completely like physically incapable but hugely intelligent like hacker person who's like working side by side with the main villain just like okay. typing away at the computer or doing some kind of yeah. like big conspiracy thing while like the the main villain is, is kind of so like so someone someone really weedy but like yeah. good at coding and stuff like that usually creepy as well like usually like really Mm. yeah it's like also there's there's also like ones where they can blend them into one like uh have you ever seen the the charlie's angels remake with cameron diaz yeah, maybe once yeah there's a guy in it who's like he's actually george mcfly weird side note that's actually the actor he plays in his george oh, mcfly maybe. and he's like keeps on cutting the girl's hair and smelling it when he's fighting them and it's like a weird and it's, it's a really weird villain but then he's like he's like one of this un reoccurring henchmen that they have to keep on fighting to like stop the to stop the big bad there's always like a fat schlub you know what i mean one of them who just completely out of place but usually like really like really dumb schlub mm. who it maybe useful for like a, he maybe gets a few punches in yeah uh, he's useful mainly as like a shield at times yeah and he's he's the person who's usually ones who always starts the attacking the women as well because he's like drooling over them at the same time he's yeah, attacking yeah, them. yeah yeah um, yeah and then the woman usually usually like really fights back powerfully um to kind of show like yeah yeah that's true actually yeah because that, that's on his level <laughs> like he, he, he can't face the main hero no. so just goes after the girl and she she just pulls out some sort of like roundhouse yeah uh, i'm thinking i was i was gonna say mm, i don't know how to put this i'm gonna say either there's always someone if not outright multilingual with enough knowledge of the language to get by if you know what i mean so like say if say if they were in a foreign yeah. country and they need uh, they're asking the locals like have you seen it maybe they're looking for a missing person and they show them a photograph and the locals are like what and, and this person just knows enough catalan <laughs> to get by ask that question and get it out yeah yeah just just enough probably to like set a ransom order beer order like an ensuite room and 
like give me the nuclear codes there's like a set phrase but i also think to comp complement that there's always usually the native speakers seem to have no social consciousness ever like if someone goes to your have you seen this person holds a photograph yeah. someone would kind of get the gist of that conversation but apparently in these movies just like no one understands that they're like you're holding a photo of a person what, what, is, what is this mysterious message that you're trying to tell me <laughs> So now we've sketched out some of the action tropes that you'll probably see in most, if not all, action movies. Um, we want to kind of throw out some of our examples of the, the best worst movies to, to cover off in this. Action is a huge thing. We're probably going to revisit, revisit this at some point. Um, but I think we wanted to focus on a few that are kind of close to our hearts. Ashley's already buried the lead with this one, telling the uh, first the first okay. that. So do you want to kick I, off I with, do Dalton. with uh, um, the Sways Roadhouse? This is yeah. So this this is a film that I was was fortunate enough to be introduced to by you. And it does feature on Netflix, so it's very accessible. Uh, Roadhouse is well late eighties. It is an action film. It definitely comes under the the action bracket, but you get so much more for your money than just staged set pieces and yes there's a lot of fight scenes but it, it's wrapped up in, in a strange like almost like thoughtful package uh, the leading man the sways plays dalton who's this bouncer or in america cooler although there does appear to be on a side note in the film to be fair mm -hmm. does make a distinction between the two if you remember when he lecture to the staff he says he gives us three commandments of what it takes to be a world-renowned cooler and he says at one way he goes through and he says remember you're the bouncers i'm the cooler what's it even mean so it's like so so like the other the sort of like the junior crowd like just like the the heavy mob who were just there to to maybe uh keep the calm, throw in the odd punch, drag people out. The cooler's almost like the mm. the kingpin of those. So he's like the overlord yeah. bouncer and the others just follow suit. So I, I think the, the, the film might be trying to make up its own word, but there seems to be a difference there. But anyway, Dalton, played by the Swayze, is this seemingly <laughs> world famous, at least US famous yeah. bouncer. He's known completely across state, club to club, bar to bar. One name only as well. He's like he's like Cher or Prince or Morrissey. Yeah, he's just known by by the one, the big D. Um, and he gets hired in by this guy mm. Frank Tillman, who owns Little Deuce in I don't know Jasper, whatever the town is. And it's a real hick town. It's a real dusty old, uh, basically an old western type town. And the moral of the story is that Dalton has to mm -hmm. come in and clear the place up. It has bar folk like you've never seen. Just the rowdiest, filthiest, most uh, disruptive blokes. Isn't there a scene in it at the beginning to kind of demonstrate how like rough this bar is where they just like on. this guy just goes, hey, if you give me five bucks, I'll let you I'll let you touch my woman's breasts. And the woman is just so up for it as yeah, well. Yeah, she yeah. takes off her top. He goes, it's, uh, that'll be, hey, if, if, if you want to kiss him, it's 20 bucks. And the guy comes in and he's he's feeling, he's feeling around 
like like he's doing a medical and he's really enjoying himself and then and then at one point the guy goes so are you gonna kiss them or what and he goes no because they haven't got the 20 bucks and then that's what causes the first big so it's so the opening like 20 minutes or whatever the film is is basically dalton's first night on the job comes to scout the joint out see what mm. state it's in um and he comes there's nets in front of the bar yeah in front band, of the, the bands yeah bottles. um there's guys skim off the till there's uh there's with like cocaine being passed around like like no one's business and i think the, the, the first like 20 minutes of the film are just him methodically clocking all of these vices and you know that it's going to be Dalton's job to one by one go through them and clear. But I think the, the great thing about the film, to, to be serious about it, is that he cleans the bar up. Uh, literally, you know, he, it's brand spanking new. He gets all like the losers and the sleezos out, but he clears the town up as well. So is and he clears up a piece of your heart in the process as well. He does. He, he clears. He uh, he purifies the soul of this town. Um, and, and so he should, because as is made clear at one scene in the film, he does have a philosophy degree. <laughs> I completely forgot that scene. He does. He's getting his stitches done. He's been in this big fight. He goes to the hospital. He's getting his, his stitches done. He was like, uh, I she must sleep on. Well, that's what, so he hands over the medical records, which he always carries on. <laughs> that's brilliant as well, yeah. Uh, okay. But we're assuming he carries them everywhere because he doesn't know when it is. So anyway, he brings the records. And from that, she goes, oh, so I see you've studied. Uh, do your medical records have, like, where you studied? Uh, maybe they did. I don't know. I don't know I why. I think also, that. doesn't she kind of pose it as, like, oh, what should, like, why are you being a cooler? Because, like, you've got a philosophy degree. And I was like, love, do you know how far the philosophy degree gets you? Like, what can you do with it? <laughs> I like to, was it one of them where you hear like, you know, one of the big tropes, or maybe it's true as well, you know, like strippers fund themselves through uni. And it, <laughs> they're always like, oh, why are you in the stripping games? And it's just, oh, I'm just stripping so I can fund like my uh, my college degree. Yeah. Is that what he did? He was just a bouncer. And then he, he actually goes, no, there are more moral dilemmas in bouncing than there ever is in academic continental <laughs> philosophy. Oh, uh, and there's there's a brilliant line in that scene as well. And she's just like, um, "Does nothing ever hurt you?" And he just looks and goes, "Only pain." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only pain. Oh, the best, the opening line. So he's there. He's got his, he's got his hand up, like uh, like holding on to like a bus rail or something. It just just in the up, just in the air like this. And she, she walks in, and there's this big nasty. I can't remember what one one of the. The, the droogs basically slashed him in the bar and he comes in and she looks at the slash and she goes like, oh, what happened here? And he goes, natural causes. <laughs> uh, no. Because <laughs> no, that's how tough he is. Because like being a cooler, getting <laughs> knife is a natural cause. <laughs> that's how that's eight cool. out of 10 coolers die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you they think? call it the Widowmaker. Um, if they, they will, if, they, if the coolers ever had a wife. So yeah. So from, correct me if I'm wrong. So he kind of cleans up this town, but along the way he discovers there's this uh, kingpin villain type guy called something like Ben Webster or Ben 
Wesley, something like that. But he lives in this real, like, completely over-the-top, decadent southern mansion, given the fact, like we've already discussed, that he owns, you know, sort of, like, lawn and barbershop alleys and shite like that. So I don't know uh, how he's going. Anyway, he's got this, he's ripping all the locals off, he's skimming from everyone's business. So his empire is built on these, like, really dodgy, fraudulent foundations. And no one will stand up to him. I think that's the point. Uh, so, mm. And bit by bit, that, that's basically the film. It's watching Dalton spread, spread his, uh, what do you want to call it? Like his jurisdiction. He goes from the bar to, to the town and he helps out like all of these local frail old sort of business guys who, who are being completely ripped off. There's a bit where it was like a car dealership where this the yeah, big monster it. truck just runs right through it, which is a brilliant scene. That's Ben Wesley trying to like show that he like he means business and like he can just destroy stuff he owns. And yeah, that's what he does with the car dealership. I remember this. I think one scene that always stuck out with me with this is that he so he he's ending up fighting a few people and then he ends up realizing you know I need to bring in the big guns. So he brings in his his mentor oh, Sam Elliott. Great. He does so. Sam Elliott, but, but from what you learn, is yeah, must have been his his like bouncer teacher. Yeah, teacher. Head uh, cooler. Head, yeah, a head cooler, like a really sort of the, the chief cooler, and he learns a lot from him. He he pays a visit to Dalton at a very fortunate time as well. Pretty much like the minute he rolls up, Dalton's in a fight with like suppliers or something like that and Sam Elliott steps in but he's got a real strong presence mm. in the film I was reading an interview with Sam Elliott what he said like to this day he's done loads of stuff mm. mainly as a he's more of a character actor really than like a big league man but he says to this day that that's what he gets mm. recognized for people call him Miho which is which was his nickname for is his nickname for Dalton apparently it's like it's Mexican for son or something like it's, it's, it's mean something um and he just has this really like world-weary yeah. grizzled but also quite charming as well like whereas dalton is like the strong child strong silent type like you know sam elliott's character is very much like still willing to have fun he's still willing to take the mick out of dalton a bit and and yeah they clean up the town really until or where they set the the old man's house on fire and then yeah, he has oh, yeah oh yeah there's that scene oh yeah so i completely forgot that scene so there's the the so He's kind of continuing, and then they're trying to get Dalton out, and then they set fire to basically his home, and then yeah, yeah. the guy does it again. This like super Nazi who's able to like resist all the damage that's mm. thrown at him, and then he tries to get on a motorbike, and Dalton, because he is this world-renowned caller, runs faster than a motorbike, and then jumps. <laughs> <laughs> he does actually. That that would have been fit quite nicely in our roundup of like take a drink when when you spot this because main action heroes defying human capability in the sense of being able to run faster than mm. uh, run uh, run faster than motorbikes moving cars as we'll see shortly to be able to surf faster than uh <laughs> <in cars. laughs> oh my we'll, god yes. we'll come on to that later but yeah that 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 that, that is uh, worth a side note to say that that is a common trope these like superhuman feet and that fight scene with him and the uh it's it's, it's such a great fight scene um and again it has that that classic moment where the hero is is nearly killed he's nearly like he's nearly defeated 
um, with one of your favourite lines in movie history. <laughs> yeah, you can't see the motion I'm doing now. But basically, it, it, it's hinted throughout. Maybe it's quite early on. I think someone in the bar might whisper it. You know, like I say, this, this Dalton comes in and he's full of everyone automatically clicks on who he is. And with that becomes all of these like um, myths and heroic tales that come with like the the legend of Dalton. One of which is that he once ripped out a guy's throat. And throughout the film, with, with, with so you hear that quite early on, and it sort, it sort of get lost in the background. Really, it's just one of the these facts that gets dropped into the atmosphere. But later on, it, it comes into its own when he, he he does literally rip out Jimmy's throat. What does Jimmy say to him before before he does that? <laughs> okay. This is okay. So this is the bit that when I first watch it. So Max had seen it. I had never seen it. This was maybe last December, I think, just before Christmas. There's this great fight scene. They all did their own stunts, to be fair. So it's it, it, well, that's fair. Good on them. Yeah, no, it's quite impressive. And apparently, it was re- in real life. They were Swayze in particular was absolutely black and blue, and quite epic fight scene. Big roundhouse kicks, loads of, and then in comes. You paused it at this point. And went. I'll just I'll just prepare you for this. Then press play again, and he's got Swayze in like a like a headlock or something like that, full Nelson type thing. And he just whispers in his ear, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Uh, what? <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the... I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. It, it, comes, <laughs> it comes so left field. And there is no background to Jimmy's prison life or his sexuality. No, no. Um, <laughs> no, that. that's never hinted. And no, it's, it's one of those lines that clearly sounded epic in Jimmy's head. But he, he thought it's this is absolute, like this is a real stinging comment, this. Yeah. And when he says it, he, he must, you know, seconds before, his, his, his last thought essentially must have been, what have I just said? <laughs> seconds later, he gets his throat ripped out. And that moment where, you know, you're supposed to see the light and, and your life flashes before you in, in like a cinema reel. He must have thought, what? What was that? <laughs> That's what I'm leaving this world on. That single yeah. line. <laughs> I used to fuck guys like you in prison. So, spoilers is that Sam Elliott dies or gets killed. Yeah, dead mental. Dalton goes mental because his mentor has been killed. So he goes on a rampage mm. to to Wesley's house does the mm. classic thing which also is another trope of action movies where a car like crashes through the front of the building but actually no one's in it but all the enemies yeah. are shooting at it still even though it's very clear that no one's in it um Dalton seems to have the, uh, the gas panel uh the, the the gas pedal when they open the door oh yeah with, yeah he stabs <laughs> the gas pedal with the knife that he was used to kill Sam Elliott yeah. um, that was brilliant and then yeah, so he's sneaking through the house, going a bit Rambo on it and taking people out one by one. And then, again, Wesley, who is easily 20 years senior to any of the other combatants that he has had to fight in this movie, would you say? Easily. Yeah. I'm saying Wesley's early 30s, Wesley's, yeah, 60. Yeah, and I think the the... And again, classic aspect of like every movie villain. He's uh, got the the kind of living room that was from like Ace Ventura 2 when Nature Calls, where it's just like animal trophies and 
and like weapons on the wall and it's like as if he's in anticipating an attack there's that and then he starts lobbing spears at dalton <laughs> and he's got good aim yeah. as well dude like he's, he's been practicing yeah. with those that's one of the shock horror moments that we pause there's there's one where he throws it and it's clearly been i don't know edited in later or whatever but but it, it sort of like floats through the air like <laughs> a spear i mean he throws it basically like a darts player but this this floats through the air like the spaceship from 2001 like it goes so slow and with such grace that you sort of stop and go what just happened there and then it goes by too quickly because it's it's one of the like in general with roadhouse there's so many these absurd like Define a moments that happen, but they, they go by so quickly. Like you've really got to be. That's one thing, I guess. Anyone who will go away and watch Roadhouse after this is finished, or gets a bit of, gets a bit of an itch to go and watch Roadhouse, is that be on your toes with it because th th these things come really thick and fast. That as soon as one's over, like another absurd thing will happen. Yeah, and and it's always something that like. It requires that critical eye. You need to like, be ready for those things to come. Um, but then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a scene in there that so soon after that, Dalton is terrified of spears. Apparently, Wesley has discovered his one weakness. And um, he hides behind a sofa like a child playing hide and seek. Yeah, yeah. And then does this weird, like, get So I guess hands. the final, final... A big scene, I guess, is is Dalton and Wesley are having this yeah. fight. There's guns involved. Um, anyway, uh, Dalton has him pinned to the couch, and he's he's got his hand. You know, his hand goes up, and yeah, and this is like the oh my god moment. He's going to do it again. He's going to do. He's going to pull the throat out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. Which I wanted it to go from that to cut to just like a taxidermed Wesley just in his own living. Room. <laughs> Dalton. Just Wesley's head on the wall going. <laughs> Is, if Wesley was mounted, would he be one of those anim animatronic ones where if you clapped your hands, it would go, I can't stop this feeling. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he definitely would be like the singing fish. Um, but anyway, he's got this. And like you were saying before, our, our cocktail of tropes, that it's one of those, like he's, he's got his hand there. I mean, it's seconds away. From, from Wesley being done over, but he decides not to. And I think, I does, does he walk step back or he walks away and uh, Wesley gets up with his little handgun about to shoot Dalton. But it, oh, it's, it's another classic as well that we probably should have mentioned. Take a few shots for when there's multiple gunshots, but you don't know who's been fired. You know what I mean? That all, So yeah. you hear a shot, split second you think, What's happened? Who's the culprit? Who's the victim? Who's who's the shooter? You don't know. And then Wesley, obviously, is the bad. He has to die. He falls back on the couch. And it's actually one of the local uh, business guys, maybe it's the car dealership guy, I can't remember, who comes back at the end um, and lands. It's the whole town, isn't it? Yeah, the whole, yeah. Well, sorry, literally the whole town. The whole town sort of emerge out of nowhere and see see the bad guy off i think that's hilarious that it turns into almost like an agatha christie murder on the orient express thing at the end where like the reason why no one is held accountable for what happens is because everyone is like in this conspiracy that they all killed wesley they all had their hand on the blade um 
Yeah. And yeah, and then it's just it's just that's it's just kind of like and then they just and, it, and it's just like that classic music video type ending where he's uh he's like having he's swimming in in like a basin with the with the love interest. To, to to be fair, it's it's it is really enjoyable. I think that's you know that's I guess the point that we're always trying to hammer home when we talk about movies on this show is it is so enjoyable. I can't remember a film. Uh, so I mean, and this is dating back to you know six seven months ago. I can't remember a film that I've I've sat back and enjoyed as much as Roadhouse. It is. It is actually like hugely. It's just entertaining, and as long as you know, you go in knowing that it's not going to be like the best movie ever. You go in not expecting like a high art, and just and just wanting something that you can enjoy and laugh at. Some of the random scenes, like the fact that he's like good friends with the lead singer of this band who's blind. Yeah. I don't know why they made that. I don't know why they they kind of brought that in. I, I don't like, but he's like a vulnerable character that Dalton has to protect. Weird selection of well, the, the selection of weirdos that that are in the bar. Like, there's loads of little cut off comments. Like when one of them looks at Wesley's wife, who, who's always parading around looking for a fella in the bar, and she's always like sort of rubbing herself up against Dalton. Or one bitch she comes to the bar, and one guy, one sort of uh, pisshead who's, who's leaning against the bar, sort of leans into her and says, "Want to go nipple to nipple?" That's. I mean that, and, and that, like I say, that's a split second thing, and then it cuts to, uh, like the big barroom brawl, and it's it, there's just layer upon layer. <laughs> so nipple to nipple. To be honest, it, it's it's so. I mean, it it deserves its own like, at length, like three hour seminar. To be honest, Roadhouse, but we haven't even mentioned the the sex scene. Which is which is probably one of those like most watched like that that's probably the scene that most people will think of when they think of Roadhouse. Really, explain it to me because I, I don't know. I'm, I might be forget. I, I think I must have forget the scene, the actual scene where she comes. Uh, the doctor, the blonde doctor, mm-hmm. comes round, uh, and she. But both. The, I'm not going to say anything more on it. But look out for the hair for one. Just, yes, because she's got kind of a mullet going, hasn't she? And then so is he. He's got a mullet, which he, it, you know, obviously it's it's an outdated style. It, it's a terrible style. Oh, that's he jokes off it. Anyone, <laughs> yeah, actually, good point. If if anyone can pull it off, it's Joe Maldonado Passage and Patrick Swayze. They're the two people I think that qualify. But anyway, she comes round. They meet at the hospital they, they get it on and they go on a few dates and she comes around to this little farm house that he's staying in and you know it's it's the big romantic set piece mm. for the film there's the sex scene uh he sort of it's so weird because it's it's so slow <laughs> for one a one bit he just throws her up against a rock wall and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about like a you know, like a smooth, like a brick finish. Like that log, log cabin style, like random. Yeah, picture. yeah, no, this isn't like quaint sort of, this is literally just like dry stone wall. Mm. I mean, it's, it's like throwing it on. Um, yeah, this dry stone wall, she's up against that, but it starts off, he's, I said this at the time, and I still think it to this day, 
because it looks like he's doing Tai Chi and she's just in the way. He's, the way he moves, the way he's sort of like, I don't know, undressing her or whatever, is so like slow and so painfully slow and so methodical and like semi-spiritual or whatever you want to call it, that he's basically doing Tai Chi with his hands and she's just like in the way. So so he's like, he's unhooking her bra as he's doing like the great Lima or whatever yeah. moves that they have in, in Tai Chi. I mean, he does, he does, and he does that. He does it early in the movie. I think that's why it gives the impression because the same moves he does, does yeah, in the garden on his own yeah. in the morning. He does like- With the farm guy just watching him. <laughs> the farm guy yeah. he's renting the place from was just ogling Swayze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tai there's a, there's like a, a two minute scene where this bearded hick farmer. Classic farmer. Classic farmer, a classic movie farmer is really intensely like a glazed Swayze, glazy, um, doing Tai Chi and, and, and the camera's flicking, flicking between like you would at like, uh, you know, a candle dinner scene, like the way the camera would cut from one face to the other. I bet he's thinking, I bet he's thinking when he's watching that, oh, I used to fuck guys like you and <laughs> <laughs> So that was the end of part one. Like any good action movie, we actually got a sequel, which is immediately available on uh, Spotify, CastBox and so on. So please just watch the second episode. Trust me, you won't regret it. (laughs) 